All right, outsiders, welcome back and welcome in. It's been a long road, but the NFL offseason is coming to a close. Football is right around the corner. A lot of training camps today on Tuesday, July 25th, got started, and a lot of news dropped today. We're going to talk about a lot of that stuff, some of the things we missed during our little summer vacation. Dylan Mel and Corey Jason here with me tonight. I'm Ryan Balliot, and we're man, we're just excited to get back. So we're going to jump in here. Quick reminder, make sure you follow us on our social accounts at Outsider Sports 3 over on Twitter. You check out Dylan's show, Running Up the Score podcast. You can follow him too on Twitter, Dylan Mel. He puts out a lot of great content. We were talking about some of it during the pre-show meeting. We always have uh, some of the things we're going to talk about here tonight. One of the biggest stories coming into the 2023 NFL season, the landscape of the running back position. Sort of reminiscent of what's going on over in Hollywood right now. Actors and writers both on strike. There's a lot of displeasure with the running backs right now. I guess they had a Zoom call a few days ago. There's some developments with that. We'll touch on that. The future of Washington football. Dan Snyder is out. The new crew is in. Brighter days may be finally ahead for Washington. Maybe not. One of the biggest player movements that we missed during our break deandre hopkins we're going to talk about that but let's get started with some of the news from today guys some big paydays just an hour before us hopping on here justin herbert five years over 260 million dollars he is the new highest paid quarterback what is your guys initial reactions to that for justin herbert yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of the move. Uh, you know, not sure how much you guys know, but Oregon Ducks college team. So love to see my boy Herbie getting paid. Um, we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show. Does he deserve it? Does he not? Listen, we know that the talent is there. And at this point in pro sports, money is money. Extensions go out like crazy. He's the highest paid this week. You know, next week it'll be Joe Burrow. Give it three years and he'll be down to the eighth highest paid quarterback. The point is, you know he's talented. You have to lock a guy like that up. He's got all these records for passing yards at the youngest age, this and that. We know he's a beast. You bring in Kellen Moore. Let's see some work. I don't hate it again, Dylan. Like you said, and I agree, he's going to go down to the eighth highest quarterback, the ninth, the tenth. Just give it a couple years. We see these exuberant contracts, right? And they seem like they're ridiculous in the amount of money for quarterbacks. But after a couple of years, they seem pretty uh, pretty in line with the rest of the market. And I don't want to even say team-friendly, but it's kind of the way it goes. Just think of Mahomes, right, when Mahomes got that massive deal, right? People thought it was just insane. And I think he is like the sixth or seventh highest-paid quarterback in the league now. So that's a really team-friendly deal, and that's what happens. And I think it was best for the Chargers that Herbert got it done before Burrow because – they got to set the market and now Burrow gets to break it and reset it. And that's kind of like with other positions, I'm always a, an advocate of get your guy locked up early because you want to be the one that sets it because you'll end up getting the best value in the lowest market for it. Now, Herbert, on the other hand, has he really earned it? It's a different question. No playoff wins. Should have won the one game against the Jaguars. He's kind of been like a regular season quarterback, kind of like uh, the last Chargers great quarterback, right? Somebody who just wasn't really able to get it done. I am hopeful that he'll be able to turn that around. I think he's got more than enough talent, a great supporting cast, right? But he just hasn't done it. So this is almost like a 
show me deal, right? Like a, we gave you the money. Now show us why you're worth it because he really didn't earn it. He didn't win anything, but they know what he can do. And I think ultimately it is the best for him and the team because he's locked up. He's going to have to go against Mahomes for, you know, the next five years of the deal. But why not? If you want to beat the best, you got to beat the best, right? Yeah, exactly. I believe Mahomes, I think I saw on Twitter, I'm not calling it X, it's Twitter, of Mahomes, I think he's actually ninth now. So he'll be just at the back end of the top 10 when Joe Burrow does get his deal. But over the other side of the ball, Trevon Diggs, the corner in Dallas, five years, $97 million. I believe highest paid corner. Does he deserve it? Because we know the yardage that he gives up. He gets oh, the interceptions, but I think this is great. Great for Dallas. They they needed to lock up their guy. Like Preach. you said, Corey, pay, pay him early. Get set Preach. the market. Um, for those that are just tuning in for the first time, you could probably tell Corey's a Giants fan. I'm an Eagles fan. So we're pretty happy about Diggs being around in our division for a while. Listen, all the hate aside, uh, I think it's he's become overhated. He was overrated when he had that year with a ton of interceptions. The way he plays the cornerback position, very aggressive. It leads to him being burned a lot. It leads to him getting a lot of picks. He's a solid corner. I don't think he's the best corner in football, so I don't think he should be paid that high. But again, like we talked about Justin Herbert, he set the market. And then in a year, two years, you'll be back down. You know, does he deserve to be paid like an elite cornerback? You know, make your judgment there. If you're Dallas, your window is now. So I get going for it. Yeah. I mean, Diggs a year, he got all those interceptions. He was really a bad cornerback. He, he made the flashy plays, but he gave up an incredible amount of yards. He could not keep up with any receiver because everything he wanted to do was jump the route, catch the ball make a splashy play, which is great, but he gave up a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. He's kind of moved away from it last year. He didn't have the interception numbers, but he was much better at actually being a cornerback and covering receivers. I don't think Diggs is among the top five best corners in the league, but he's certainly one of the top 10. He is a good corner, right? He's a good player. I just don't know if he's worth all that money. But like Herbert, like you said, set the market early. But also, he does sell jerseys, right? He does put butts in seats. Him, Parsons, Dak, those are your guys that you market. So you want to pay that. You want to keep that around. Whether he's worth it or not, the Cowboys have always been good at finagling the cap. i kind of envious of that, to be honest. They're always able to figure it out. That's why I'm not worried about them with the Zach Martin uh, situation where he's holding out of camp, right? He wants more money because he was that contract he had, they were able to push money, finagle it. So they were able to keep and sign a lot of guys. Maybe they'll do that with Diggs now. Nice five-year deal, right? Be able to switch some of that money, put some dummy ears on. And that's what the Cowboys are good at finding loopholes in the salary cap structure. And the best way to do it, long-term deals that you're able to switch the guaranteed money around and creates cap space. And that digs contract is going to be a great safe haven for them to be able to do it. Yeah. And I think it's important to know just real quick, they brought in Stefan Gilmore, you know, that's a guy that can teach digs to clean up some of, you know, his flaws and, you know, Gilmore won a defensive player of the year at the corner position, which is super hard to do. 
We know that guy's got the intelligence, even though he's lost a step at the position. Yeah, he's a few years removed from that defensive player of the year award, but I mean, Colts won four games last year and Gilmore was directly responsible for like two of them. So definitely thankful for Gilmore in his short uh, stint in Indy. But yeah, Corey, you mentioned Zach Martin holding out another big name holding out over in the Bay Area. Nick Bosa not reporting to training camp. Remember his brother as a rookie did one of the rare rookie holdouts. Now Nick Bosa doing at the end of his rookie deal. But some other big news I want to talk about here in the Bay Area, Brock Purdy cleared today from that UCL injury. I know, Corey, you mentioned it, and Ben, too. Shocked. Yeah, that UCL injury, you said his career could potentially be over, but here he is, cleared, throwing, and in the driver's seat to be San Francisco's quarterback one for the year. Let me see him take a hit. Let me see him get his arm hit from behind as he's throwing, get get him into some real game action. I'm shocked that he's even able to play in training camp right now, not starting on pop at least, but you know, good for him. I'm rooting for him. It's a nice story. Mr. Irrelevant turned, you know, almost Super Bowl caliber quarterback. Right. So I'm glad that it's working out for him. I'm surprised that he's not too hurt, but let's see him actually take some shots and get hit before we really uh, say he's back. Right. Yeah. Also Jimmy Graham. Don't call it a comeback. He signed a one-year, yes, year, not day, contract with the Saints. We'll see. Maybe it's just a morale boost or something like that. We see this. I remember Tebow's short-lived comeback. He was cut by the time preseason was over. But funny nonetheless, Jimmy Graham back with the Saints. Yeah, I'm shocked there. Jimmy Grandpa back in New Orleans. And they have like a loaded tight end room too. Jawan Johnson, Foster Moreau, um, Taysom Hill. And it's just odd to see them bring him in. I don't know if this is just like a cam thing, like you said, or maybe they're like, hey, we want a really tall guy for red zone specials and that's it. <laughs> maybe they're just finally treating him like a wide receiver and he's the wide receiver for. Remember, he wanted to get paid like a receiver back in the day and they said no. Um but Hopkins, he got paid like a receiver, one of the better ones around the league. The rumor was he was going to get traded out of Arizona. I thought it could happen on draft night. It didn't. No trade ever came to fruition. He ends up just getting released. He sits on the market for a while. He says, I want to go play for a great quarterback with great management and a great defense. And he ends up in Tennessee. I'll give him the management part. They've been pretty stable the last couple of years. I think they have a good defense, but... Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, you guys know my opinion on Will Levis. This was the right move for Tennessee. They needed a weapon. I don't. Th- I think we could all agree on that. If Traylon Burks is your number one, you, you have a problem. But was this the right move for D-Hop? Yeah, there's no doubt this was the right move for Tennessee, especially the two-year deal, right? You could still be a potential wild-card playoff team this year. We saw Tennessee in the playoff picture the last couple of years. Very Ball is an excellent head coach. They have a fantastic defensive line. And if Tannehill still has something with a true wide receiver one, you know, when they had A.J. Brown, they were a playoff team. Now, DeAndre Hopkins isn't where A.J. Brown currently is, obviously. But maybe they could battle, but in a really competitive AFC, I'm not so sure. But I think it's really good for the development of Traylon Burks to be able to play against cornerback two, find his way. Obviously, it'll be good for Derrick Henry that you can't just stack the box. But the two-year deal is huge. Whether it's Will Levis or Malik Willis, Ryan Tannehill is going to be out of that starting spot next year. To have a target like DeAndre Hopkins is huge for their development. Now, whether or not it's the right move for D-Hop, 
I think it really depends on what was out there. Is your choices New England and Tennessee and that was it? If so, then sure, I guess I'd rather live in Nashville than Foxborough. <laughs> I guess, like, right? Like, either way, crappy quarterback play, not a ton of other weapons around you, probably not real playoff aspirations, but a solid contract for DeAndre Hopkins. One last good payday, I think. You know, like the reports came out that the Bills weren't willing to pay up. The Chiefs, we knew, were never going to pay up. And DeAndre Hopkins chose money over a Super Bowl. Um, you know, love it or hate it his choice i don't mind it go get your bag but i'm just disappointed i don't think we're ever going to get to see a high level deandre hopkins in a meaningful playoff game bill o'brien really ruined his career didn't he <laughs> sending him over to that death valley in uh arizona to have kyler throw the ball to him i feel bad for d hop he was such a dominating receiver he should have kind of done it like calvin johnson and just called it quits pretty early on. I think this probably was the right move for both sides. D-Hop gets to be the unquestioned number one receiver. He gets the, all the targets he wants. The only other person that'll get more attention than him is Derrick Henry. So if he thinks that he's still at that top level, the Titans is the best place because they still have a legit playoff spot, like shot like you said, right? The division isn't on lock by anybody. The Colts, the Jags, those are all teams that could – could compete with the Titans, but it's anybody other than the Texans division to win. And I think that's a good spot for him. Tannehill's not terrible. He He's a good game manager. He'll get him the ball. And that's really all you want. If his other option was the Patriots, like Dylan said, the division's kind of out of reach. Wild card, maybe, but you're going to get beat down by at least two, if not three teams in your division. Is it really worth it? especially to play for a uh, a hard-nosed coach like Belichick. I know Vrabel cut from that cloth, Belichick guy, but he's really loved down in Tennessee. I think this is just the best for both, and you know, not every guy's about winning. They, they want the money, right? He's more than earned it, especially with what has gone on in his career with getting screwed over and traded. If he really wanted to go to the Chiefs, he could have done a one-year deal, played well, then got the bag in the offseason next year. But you know what? Good on him for getting the money that he got. Maybe he does do something, gets traded from the Titans to somewhere else. Maybe he has a good two years and can get another bag from another team for another you know, two-year set. But I think both sides, it's a pretty good fit. Randy Moss, Andre Johnson, Julio Jones, a couple Hall of Fame, all-world caliber players, their careers – Last report being seen in Nashville. So we'll see if DeAndre Hopkins can change the narrative there. Over to Washington. Pop the champagne bottles. Dan Snyder is no longer an NFL owner. Josh Harris and a big group of investors, including Magic Johnson. Love to see that. Uh, they're the new owners of the Washington Commanders. And brighter days certainly, I think, are finally ahead. Maybe not this year. Tough division still. But... What is just the future? When you when you first heard this news, what did what do you hope to see? Obviously, you guys division rivals, so you don't want to see them too successful. But at least everything's straightened out and all of this nonsense with Snyder and the investigations in the rear view. What do you guys think Washington will look like in a couple of years? I mean, they're in their in our division, right? But I wouldn't call them rivals. It's a three, it's a three-headed monster rival in that division, right? Washington's kind of like the the guys sitting in the corner watching everybody else have the fun. Their baby and brother. 
I mean, if you want to go that direction, sure. They're the guy that gets beat up on Thanksgiving by whichever other team gets the game. <laughs> it's just good for them is kind of like how I look at it, right? Like you you want to see everybody succeed. You want to, you want competition. While it was funny watching the whole thing unfold, and I don't think we're done hearing about Snyder and Gruden and the whole football team commanders debacle. I I don't know what this new ownership group's gonna bring because you just like other teams in other sports, you can take, you know, Snyder out of Washington, but can you really take Washington away from Snyder? Like his imprint and what he did is still there. It's not going anywhere just because there's a new ownership group. It's gonna take years to remove that stink. So their present and future is still marred by him. It's gonna take a while. You see it with the Mets, right, in baseball with Steve Cohen. He's th- he was thought to be the savior of the team. But the Wilpon stank's still there. It's still going. And it takes time for it to move away and to get out of it. So I think it's going to be a while before we see the Washington really kind of get to where they could be. And they're going to still be suffering. Their future's not bright right now. I think they're probably going to go through another couple quarterbacks before they get some stability there. I'm not a big Howell believer, but, you know, this is the first baby step before they can get, you know, the ability to run with the big dogs. Yeah, listen, Snyder had to go. Everybody can agree on that, no matter what team you're a fan of. And, you know, Josh Harris, those are the people that don't know, uh, owner uh, ownership group for the 76ers right now, competitive team. Magic Johnson, a part of the Dodgers ownership group, competitive team. I expect Washington in – the farther future, I don't want to say near future, but in the farther future, to be a competitive team once again. As well, already talks of the rebrand. And it's funny. People are complaining about it, yet when the commander's name came out, everybody hated it. So which one is it? Do you want the rebrand? Do you not? Bring um, back the football team. <laughs> yeah, there's some presence for people that like the football team name. I don't think I that they're going to. I in that. I want I don't, it. I don't think they're going to go there, but I think they're going to rebrand and do what they can to get rid of the Dan Schneider's dank. Whatever they can do to get rid of it. Whatever they can do to get rid of any imprint he had on that team. Um, you know, right now, we know quarterback's king is Sam Howell the future. Probably not, but, you know, we'll see. The Commanders, hopefully brighter days are ahead for them, but brighter days are ahead for the NFL now that Snyder is gone. For sure. Let me throw out there, 2028 NFC East Division winners, the Washington Red Wolves with Pro Bowl quarterback Caleb Williams. Doesn't matter who their running backs are, though, because the running back position might be joining their brothers of the fullbacks Maybe not that dire, but there's certainly a negative energy surrounding one of the game's visibly lesser important positions. Earlier today, Saquon Barkley came up with an $11 million one-year deal with the New York Giants that almost seems a slight shift away from the franchise tag, but essentially it's the same thing. You know, there's some of the semantics that goes in with that. Josh Jacobs still, I don't believe... They haven't reached anything, uh, last I heard. You guys, you have guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt, Dalvin Cook still in the free agent market. Joe Mixon took a pay cut just to remain with the Bengals. Austin Eckler just saw his quarterback get a massive payday. You have to wonder, is there any left for me? 
And then this guy right here, Jonathan Taylor, put on the pup list earlier today after Jim Irsay said he's healthy and good to go. Early speculation is that it was contract related for why he was put on that list. Um, and I mentioned it too at the start of the show. I, we're not going to see running backs just go on strike. You know, it, it's it's different than the actors and writers, what's going on in Hollywood. But I mean, something needs to get done. Dylan, you put out a great video. Um, if you want to just kind of share the bullet points quick and then, I mean, how could we reach an agreement? Let's act as the mediators here quick. Running backs and the NFL, where can we find common ground here? This situation has so many different layers to it that are going to be broken down over years to come. Generally, in my video, it was more of a defense of why elite level guys like Saquon Barkley shouldn't have to settle for fighting for a payday with what they mean to their offense. Uh, a lot of that I went into the fact that, you know, Daniel Jones is another level quarterback with Saquon Barkley than without him. It's not a you're playing with Patrick Holmes and he doesn't really need you. Or even in Austin Eckler situation, you know, if Justin Herbert's that level quarterback, you'd argue why pay the running back. But for Daniel Jones, a guy who makes less than the top level quarterback, you have that money left over to pay Saquon who makes things easier on him, in my opinion. And he's an elite level guy and Saquon's a good locker room guy. You know, some of this, it's got to come into the real world too. This isn't just a Madden video game where you're going around the cap sliders, trying to figure it out. You know, Saquon's been in that Giants locker room through the bad seasons. He's been the face of the franchise. He sells the jerseys. He puts the butts in seats. Some of that has to matter when it comes to paying him. And Saquon is such a good guy that he took this deal today. And you mentioned the semantics. You know, we could talk about it. A million in potential incentives plus two million of it in signing bonus. So he got it in his bank account today instead of over the course of the season. If you call that a win, fine. But now you got to report to training camp. I, it didn't feel like a win for the running back position today. And now that poses the problem going forward in the future. The running back position, if Saquon can't even get a payday, who can? The answer, probably nobody for the foreseeable future. And, you know, that's the way that life works in a sense. There's so many good running backs now that you don't have to pay, which I understand that's how it works. The problem is the trickle-down effect that that has. And it can go a lot of different ways right now. The new uh nfl players association agreement it's not up for like seven years so we're not going to see a change to this the owners aren't going to budge the owners have kind of dog walked the players when it comes to this in terms of finances you know the players fight for uh bye weeks and you know less drug testing and they win those battles but when it comes to money i mean the owners kind of are winning the battle a lot of times so now they're not going to fold and be like, oh, well, let's be nice to the running backs and put in an amendment for them. But what that's going to lead to with NIL deals, the top tier running backs that aren't your Bijan Robinson, but are your third and fourth and fifth round draft picks. But you're at a school where you can make two, three million dollars in NIL deals. Why would you leave? Probably won't. As well, it's going to lead to even further down your top tier young athletes at 12, 13, 14, when you know that you're special and you could be an NFL player, what parent's going to tell their kid to play the running back position? You're going to go be a receiver, go be a quarterback. Hell, you're better off going and being a cornerback at this point than you are being a running back. The only position paid less than them is the kickers and punters. So 
there's going to be a long lasting effect here. Eventually, since there's going to be so less elite running backs, then the running back position will become scarce. And well, the full circle of life in terms of the NFL running back being paid. I think in the foreseeable future, though, we could see a lot more Debo Samuel-esque players. You got a skillful wide receiver, let him run the ball because there's not going to be a lot of great athletic running backs in the NFL in five to seven years. You know, I'm going to argue that the running back position actually died a few years ago. It's not dying. It's dead. Once you introduced, you know, the catching back and they became the bigger guys like a Barkley, a McCaffrey, right? Those guys that can catch. Kamara was good at that. Guys that are really able to run routes and play almost a dual role as it was while having that running back moniker, kind of the precursor to the Debo type. That's when the running back position died because you had those really talented players now pigeonholed as a different position than what they were really being asked to do. So the running back position is gone. It has changed. And, you know, on the Barkley front, as a Giant fan, you know, I want my team's cap health to be great. You see teams in our division, the Cowboys and Eagles, who have been able to work the cap forever. The Saints have been another team that has really been able to work it. The Giants never were able to do that. And now to have a GM that's really looking at the future and not the present and how to actually build up a team and a roster to be competitive, it's nice to see. And, you know, I don't want it to be at the expense of one of my favorite players. But do you guys know who the longest tenured Giant is? It's Sterling Shepard, but you thought it was Saquon for a second because Saquon's the second longest tenured Giant now. So the fact that he's been with this team through the dark times, Saquon deserves it. And the Giants did offer him enough money to be paid along the likes of a Derrick Henry or a Nick Chubb. Is Saquon definitively better than either of those two guys? No, he's not. Saquon is a very good player, definitely an arguable top five running back when he's healthy, I think even better. But does he deserve to get paid more than a Chubb or a Henry who are always available? No. But he wanted the same aligned money of a Kamara and a McCaffrey, which those are guys that missed a lot of time guys that, you know, are pass catching backs, but that's not where the market's going. Now Saquon had some bad people around him, gave him some false hope about what the market could bring. Right. So Saquon was offered more than fair compensation for what the market is. And he kind of screwed himself. And, you know, I'm glad that him and the giants were able to basically get a deal done. And it's interesting that they didn't have a, you know, we won't tag you next year clause in good faith, right? The fact that they didn't have that, I find it very interesting because the Giants could very well go and do that next year. They're, I, they're absolutely going to. They're absolutely I don't think so. going. They're no, going to tag them again. No, I think that they'll get a long-term deal done because I think they used the tag on Xavier McKinney. And I think that's a more pressing matter to tag McKinney if you can't get a deal done with him. I think if Saquon takes a team-friendly deal, they'll get a long-term deal done, which, you know, with the shelf life that we've seen of running backs, it could be the right move. You know, taking $8 a year over three years could look really good for Saquon in two years' time versus holding out, getting tagged again, getting a one-year $11 million deal, and then being like Zeke Elliott. Nobody wants you now. Nobody wants you. Leonard Fournette, same thing. Delvin Cook's still out there, right? 
Yeah, still out yeah. there. You know, the, Miami's the rumored team, but they're not willing to pay up either. No. So Barkley might be safer to just stay where you know, where the offense will go through you, where you'll have success after football, right? Being a beloved player in the biggest media market in the world. You won't have to, you know, work hard for your money. You'll you'll be a face everybody knows. So taking a team-friendly deal, which probably isn't going to actually be team-friendly if you think about it, they will overpay him just to keep him around. But overpaying him might look like $9, $10 million a year, $8 million a year. But what Cook gets, what, you know, Miles Sanders got, that's going to all play into this. And I think Barkley made the right decision to try to get for it, but it it bit him in the butt. And I don't think he can go through another year like this. Yeah, you touched on it, Corey, and I mentioned it as well in my video. The smart GMs, they're not paying the running back position. Brett Veach, GM of the Chiefs, who was their leading runner in the Super Bowl? A seventh-round pick. The Eagles, Howie Roseman, their entire running back room makes up a cap of $7.2 million. That's four or five guys. That's exactly what Miles Sanders is getting from Carolina this season. <laughs> so... You know, the smart guys are going that direction. The one thing that I wonder is when we get to that inevitable point where, you know, we talk about this in terms of NFLPA, do we get rid of the second franchise tag on running backs? Do we get rid of it all together? That way they can vie for that second contract. Or do you think by the time we get there, they're just going to be SOL and it's going to be, yeah, yeah, but us quarterbacks, wide receivers, everybody else got their money. You know, in the NFL, there's not just a cap maximum. There's a cap minimum. 190 to 210 has got to be spent. So while running backs are losing it, it's going somewhere else. You have to yeah. spend it. So that wide receiver's getting paid. That corner's getting paid. The quarterback's getting more money. Maybe a second tight end. Somebody's getting the money. So I think probably the best way to go about this, and I'm sure you guys have heard this type of theory before, take out the quarterback, take out the kicker and punter, when it comes to the uh, the tag, right? It's a factor of, you know, the top, I believe, five salaries at your position average together. Instead of having it by position, you kind of do it just in general, offensive, defensive, however you want to shake it, the whole, the whole roster type of deal. Again, quarterbacks, special teams taken out of it because that's not really fair. But let that be the predictor then because then you won't get guys like Saquon and others even being thought of to be tagged and you'd be able to go explore your own deals and not have that even affect you. I think that's probably the best course of action because you're not going to fix it. And the tag is way too valuable that the owners will die on that and keep the league in a lockout. I think 2030 is when the, when the next possible uh, talks are about a new agreement. So it's going to be a ways away. And I think there's going to be a lot more discussion. I thought it was interesting that the running backs went on a zoom call and talked about what to do. I think uh, letting it slip that they were going to fake some injuries and stuff kind of is a bad look on them. You kind of lose the court of public opinion doing that. Yeah. You can't, you know, fake injuries and hurt people's favorite teams. They only like you, but only when you're wearing their colors, you know what I mean? Yeah, so the, the one issue I just want to point out real quick with uh, the franchise tag, if you take away quarterbacks and kickers, you still have defensive ends that make $30 million a year. Yeah. You still have offensive tackles. that. So there's some you know kinks to work out. Maybe it's a skill position on the offensive side tag. Again, you know, we'll see. Do running backs take it smart? You know, these college running backs, 
do they risk their NFL career staying another year at college to get that two to three million of NIL money? Or do you take the four year contract of being a second round pick? There's going to be a lot of behind the scenes that really pan out for the running back position. Yeah, I've seen a a bunch of different kind of ideas thrown out there. I've seen, you know, even you mentioned talking about the franchise tag, go back five years and look at the prices for the franchise tag. Every single position since then has gone up, except the running back is the only one that went down. It's actually cheaper to franchise tag a running back now than it was a few years ago. You know, you could make running backs ineligible for the franchise tag. Just, Corey, you throwing that idea out um, about full just the salaries in general around the league. What about the top five on the team using the tag on that running back? Their top five players on that team to kind of go in line with that. The one I kind of like the most is actually running backs getting drafted are on three-year deals so that they get to that second contract a little bit earlier. You'll never see the, a top three-round running back ever again. Still, I mean, if they go later in the draft, then – they can hit that second payday. That seems what it the big problem here is, you know, teams drafting a running back. Isaiah Pacheco, we might forget about him in a few years' time. I mentioned before we started recording, Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis. These running backs, Todd Gurley, they just fall off the map after their rookie deal. Maybe they get that big payday. Look at Le'Veon Bell, held out for a year, got his money, disappeared. That, that's that's also why teams don't want to pay those guys. You know, you get, if you give Todd Gurley the contract that we're begging for Saquon Barkley to get here, now like your team is capsized because you paid a position that has no shelf life. So, you know, again, there's so much argument there. Um, you know, should the rookie contracts be higher for these running backs? Because you're penalized for being good early. Bijan Robinson this year is going to get two to 300 touches and they're going to run him into the ground, this rookie contract, and he's going to be so good. And then by the time the second contract goes, they're going to be like, Oh, it's a lot of wear and tear on them tires. Bijan, no, no payday for you. He's like, that's why I like the argument of when they come up in the draft, their contracts, you know, it's four years. And if you're in the first round, you had that fifth year option, just three flat. If they perform wherever they're drafted, round one, round seven, undrafted, whatever, they could get to that second payday while their shelf life is not yet over. I have an even better fix than that. Tell me where I'm wrong. Get rid of a salary cap. Salary caps are inhumane. Let it be like baseball. Spend as much money as you want. Build them rosters. Pay them people. Win some Super Bowls. Hey, I'll pay. Small market teams are toast. (laughs) No such thing. Never was. I'll pay whatever is asked to get Damian Lillard on the heat. But this isn't a basketball podcast. This is a football podcast. Football is back, and we're going to be back next week. We're going to do division deep dives. We're going to get started with the NFC North. So join us next week. Take care, everybody. Remember, do not draft Kyle Pitts in the third round of your fantasy drafts this year. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Outsider Sports Football Podcast. Mm -hmm.